You may be seated, and uh, if you're 12 and under, you may head back to Camp Pointway. We have teachers back there teaching lessons uh, from the Gospel Project, so. It's kind of a funny Sunday for me, and um, funny in many ways that, I don't know if you remember or not, but it's my fault that it's cold today, just in case you were wondering. Two years ago today, when we stepped off the plane to come here in Candidate, it was minus 33. So it's actually a little bit warmer than it was then, but I'll take the blame for it. It was on Super Bowl Sunday, but for many of you, it was the first time that I met you, and so uh, it's kind of interesting to go back and think that it's already two years have gone by. Some of you are saying it feels more like 10, so. <laughs> Ralph, yeah, there, I knew, I knew. We went out back with, help you out, Ralph, and put that on the T. Um, but one thing hasn't changed. Oh, Ambria, she went out back with, but she was wearing her Patriots uh, jersey, um, you know, because two years ago, the Patriots were in the Super Bowl, so. Tom's there today, but not, uh, not the Patriots, so. Anyways, that's my last football analogy or, or note on football. I'll leave that one alone at this point. Uh, it's been a while since the Vikings have been there. So anyways, before I get in any more trouble, there are a few Minnesota boys there as well. So yeah, so at least in spirit, we can, can cheer a little bit. So even a local man, so that's good. Well, we're about to start a new series. Um, we've been doing some topical messages throughout the last month or so and kind of working on some things. And before I jump into today's series, I've got a question for you. For you that were here last week, did anyone take me up on my challenge? Because I'll give it to you again anyways, you know me. But anyone take up my challenge last week? Did anyone get a chance to share the gospel? Yes, a couple of you. Praise God. Did any of you get a chance to at least take a conversation from the physical to the spiritual? Yeah? All right. Guess what? Same challenge, same week, next week, let's do it again. All right? As you know, we've been focusing that, and we've kind of made that determination as um, we're going to focus more on the gospel. We're kind of feeling that we need to pull and to make this in that area. Um, our two purposes as a church is to share the gospel and to make disciples. And again, not taking away from making disciples, but also um, putting a little more effort on sharing the gospel. And so you'll hear that challenge again, and uh, don't worry, it'll, it'll keep going. And we'll, God will give you opportunities. Uh, and it's great uh, when he does that. So, Book of Amos, all right, and to title today's message, Landon, this is for you, so you might want to write this down, Landon uploads for it, but God is not okay with sin. God is not okay with sin. It's the title of today's message, and I was reminded this week as I was talking with someone, someone mentioned, well, the, the God of the Old Testament seems harsh and his judgment and his wrath, and, and you know, we don't see that today. And I would say, yeah, we do. God is still God. God has not changed at all. And God was not okay with sin in the Old Testament. He's not okay with God in the New Testament. He's not okay with sin now. God's never okay with sin. And so that's kind of the premise, and we'll see that here. Amos is a little bit different. He's one of the, the minor prophets. Uh, Amos is different in this aspect. Amos is a prophet who prophesies not only just to Israel and Judah, we'll talk about why I, I mentioned both of them, but actually to the nations around them, and which is a little unique. But through that, we see the character of God. 
God cares not only about his chosen people, but God cares about all the nations, all those outside of Israel, besides just the promised land. He cared about what took place. And again, God was not okay with their sin either. See, God judges both the unbeliever and the believer a little differently, but he does still judge them. One of the other things I like about Amos, Amos actually tells us what he did before. No, Amos was not a fisherman, but I still like him. As you know, I love fishermen and and that part. But Amos was a farmer, a fig farmer. Uh, He was also a, it says a shepherd, um, but he was more than that. He was a herdsman. He had multiple sheep herds, most likely. He was probably in management of some position over them. Uh, we, we gather that from the information that's around there. But, but Amos has a background. He's a layperson by all means. And yet God calls him to give a message to a difficult time and a difficult people. Just to give you a little bit more background, and again, you're going to get a lot of background today, and as we go through the series, I'll probably give you a little bit less, but Israel is divided at this point. There are two sections If you could think of it, it would be like taking the United States and saying, all right, the Mississippi River, we're going to make the West and we're going to make the East. Same nation, but we're going to really split them. And you're going to have your own religious temples and your own places of worship, and you're going to be separated. And see, that's what happened to Israel. They separated. They went to the North and they went to the South, and they made a dividing line. So much so that the, the king said, well, we don't want people traveling back and forth, so we'll set up our own places of worship. And so they did that. For convenience, they set up Bethel and Dan uh, besides Jerusalem. And again, as we look back, we know that's probably not the best thing. That was not what God intended, as there were going to be problems. Now, when Amos is speaking, there's prosperity in the land. There's relatively peace. You know, Fairly good kings, there's peace, Um, the land is doing well, people are prospering, things are pretty easy at that point. Guess what? That's when we can get in the most trouble, I think. Sometimes under duress, we do better than sometimes when we are, um, things are going well, or we tend to forget about God, and we let things slip and get lax. And I could do a message just on that alone, but let's dig into Amos, because there's a lot more here to the story and a lot more to be told. So if you have your Bibles, if not, it should be up on the, the big screen as well. The guys are good that way. So it says, the words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, what he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake when Uzziah, the king of Judah, and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. He said, the Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up, and the top of Carmel withers. So again, we get that background. We get where he's from. And Tekoa is a, is a, a, a very small little place. Uh, it's south of Jerusalem. Uh, it's in the mountains a little bit, uh, as relative to that. Uh, I know it's hard for Minnesotans to know what mountains are, but I mean, that it, there is some mountains a little bit. It's, it's upper ground. And so we know that he had, because um, fig trees grew in the valley, and the sheep were usually up on the mountaintop, so we know that he, he moved around, and so we, we gather that from there. We also see the two kings, right? We see the two kings, two kingdoms, very separate, separate rules, 
Um, and that's why you'll hear Israel and Judah. And again, Judah means uh, the kingdom in the south, and Israel is the, the vast kingdom to the north. Um, it's all time in history that it was so large an area. It's one of those other notes. He, it's obviously shrunk now, and it's uh, occupied by uh, many more others. But in Jerusalem, and, and then he also mentions the fact that uh, the roar of the lion, right, from Jerusalem. And again, I think that's where you can take uh, note that that's where God had established the promised land. That was the center. He didn't intend for them to have this other kingdom and these other temples in Dan and Bethel. And so there's problems with that, but he's saying the Lord roars. And again, he uses the imagery of a lion, right? And again, the, the lion, the king of the, the beast, right? The, and he's roaring. He's about ready to declare judgment. And that's what he's talking about here. There's, there's problems, but he's, he's screaming out. And then Amos is going to take a, a turn here. He's going to start giving us some of the problems that are going on at the time. Interesting, he doesn't start with Israel or Judah. He goes to the outside first. So listen how he, how he does this. He does this very interesting. It's, it's unique to Amos, and so it's kind of interesting when you study it. But it says, this is what the Lord says. For three sins of Damascus, even for four, I will not turn my back, my wrath. Because she, thre- the, she threshed Gaza with sledges having iron teeth. I will send fire upon the house of Hazel, and they will consume the fortress of Ben-Hadon. I will break down the gate of Damascus. I will destroy the king who is in the valley of Avon, and the one who holds a scepter in Beth Eden, and the people of Aram, I will, they will go into exile to Kerr, says the Lord. So he kind of does this way of illustrating each oracle or proclamation of what's going to happen, right? Three, maybe four. Kind of interesting, you know, right? I'm not going to go to football. I'm going to go to baseball, right? But three strikes and you're out, right? We could take that almost from this passage, but he's saying the same thing. You've gone to three. I've been patient, and now you've gone over the edge. You've done it too long. You've gone too far. You've gone beyond what I can take anymore. You think of it that way, right? As parents, we usually count to three, right? When we're like kids, right? One, two, and the hope is that we don't have to get to three. But if we get to three, at least in our household, there was a spank on the way on number four, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's kind of the same method here and the same thing that God's doing to his people. And so Amos is proclaiming, you've had time to correct your mistakes, but now judgment's coming. And again, with all prophets, it's not always immediate. Sometimes it's over time. Sometimes it's in stages. Um, but there's usually some element that does happen right away. That was kind of the litany test for prophets, right? You'd have to have a prophecy that was fulfilled early on so that you were verified, but then you could prophesy about something that was going to happen down the road. In fact, Amos didn't see all of these prophecies happen. They took place much later in life, but, which is common with all prophets. And we know there's still prophecy yet to be fulfilled even today. Uh, God's not constrained by time. Um, and he lets things go. So what is this great sin? What is the, the great problem here? Amos tells us, right? He says in verse 4, beginning of uh, the end of 3, verse 4, he says, because she threshed Gilead with sledges, having iron teeth. 
say, all right, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that they actually went into the land, the promised land, and they rolled them up. They, they just laid bare. It's kind of the, it was a military machine, and they just kind of kept eating the people up. And there was no mercy, no grace, no, no quarter given. They didn't just take them as slaves. They, they just put them to death. They were harsh. They were overly harsh. And so God says, that's not what I intended you to do. And again, remember, these are people outside of Israel. These aren't Jews they're talking about. These are other nations, which is, like I said, unique to Amos. And so because you did this, here's what I'm going to do. And whenever you see fire, especially in, in this prophecy, fire means judgment from God. It says, fire upon the household of Hazel. Again, the, 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 the king himself is going to come under judgment for this. He was ruling. He's going to be the one that's in trouble. He says, I'm going to consume the fortress, right? I'm going to take down what you think you're stronghold. You think you have a, a, a great position. You think that you can't be penetrated. I'm going to bring it down. I'm going to bring it down with fire, and I'm going to destroy even your gate, it says here, right? Gate was the important part. That's, that's where you let people at the gate. It was mostly to keep people out. And God says, you know what? You might have a mighty gate, but it's not going to stop me. It's kind of what he's declaring here. And he even says, I'm going to even destroy these other kings. Because again, we're talking about more areas than just one centralized place. And so God's going to bring judgment on that. He um, is concerned with the way they've treated people. Again, they're not believers. They don't believe in God. They believe in false God. But even God still cares about what takes place outside of Jerusalem and Israel. Again, I mentioned those two because both kingdoms are in view here. So that's just one judgment that he proclaims. We go on, he says it again, for this is what the Lord says. We don't know if these were stacked on top of each other or if there was some time in between. He probably went from place to place and would proclaim these in different areas. Um, but these were proclaimed to the, especially to the kingdom in the north. Verse 6 says, this is what the Lord says. For three sins of Gaza, even four, I will not turn back my wrath because she took captive whole communities and sold them to Edom. I will send fire upon the walls of Gaza that will consume her fortress. I will destroy the king of Ashdod and one who holds the scepter in Askin. I will turn my hand against Ekron till the last of the Philistines is dead, says the Lord. All right, so we have another area. He, again, he's speaking to outside of Israel. This is a little bit further north, and he's saying, I'm going to bring, you've gone too far again, three, maybe four. I've given you time to change, to come, to convert. You haven't done that, and so now there's judgment. And so what's the sin? What's the sin here? What is the problem here? He tells us, because they took captive whole communities and sold them, right? Human trafficking, pure and simple. God is always against human trafficking. It's never been okay. It's never been okay to take someone and sell them or to enslave them. And so he speaks very clearly to that. And like I said, that was a sin then. It's a sin now. I was reminded of that this week as a pastor was talking about there's a house that's being built here in the area, and its hope is to rescue ladies from sex trafficking. And they're hoping to be open by this spring. And so they're working towards setting that up just to help rescue them. So I was reminded of that. But God's not okay with that. 
you know, taking people. And again, they were ruthless at it. They, they made a profit at it. They were taking people in God's image. Again, he values life. He's, that's important to him. And so, similarly, uh, as he did before, I'm going to bring fire. I'm going to bring down your fortresses. I'm going to tear down what you think is your strongholds. and You think you're all right. You think you're just in what you're doing. And I'm going to consume them. I'm going to break them down. I'm going to unsettle you. And again, a lot of these things take place. In fact, it's interesting, the Philistines don't actually get taken care of almost all the way to the Maccabees, almost just before Jesus is born, before they are completely eliminated. So again, like I said, Amos never even gets to see all of this come true, but again, nonetheless, it is true as we look back through history and we go back in time. All right, verse 9. This is what the Lord says, for three sins a tear, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath, because she sold whole communities of captives to Edom, disregarding a treaty of brotherhood. I will send fire upon the walls of Tyre that will consume her fortress. This is what the Lord says. I'll stop there at verse 10, because I want to make sure I keep them separate a little bit. So what's, what's the sin here? What's uh, the problem with this one? You know I don't ask rhetorical questions. So, so what is it? It is Part of it is the same thing, exactly. Yeah, it's the same judgment, same problem. At least a part of it is. Part of it is they took captives and they sold them. Right? Again, God wasn't okay with that sin then. He's not now. And he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't okay with it no matter who did it, which nation did it. Again, you could put any nation in there, and God's still the same. He still judges the same that way. He judges pretty harsh, we would say, with that. He ends up wiping them out, right? He also mentions this about disregarding the treaty of the brotherhood, right? During that time, quite often, especially with Israel and Judah, we know that they would make treaties with the nations around them to kind of limit the damage, got to remember, it's not full armies that were coming quite often. It would be like little raids, little raiding parties, right? They would send 20 men. They'd come into a village. They'd wipe it out, take captives, take their food, or take a portion of it. It wouldn't be enough to start a, a war over it, but it would be enough to be an annoyance, right? It would make you uneasy. It would make you unsettled, especially if you lived in those areas, um, certainly. And so, Quite often, they would make a treaty. Hey, let's, let's live at peace. You know, here's your boundary. Here's my boundary. Stay on it. Right? We, we have an agreement. But we know from history that, that Tyr didn't do that. They actually broke the treaty that they had made. And they said they were keeping it, but they didn't really. So they didn't keep their word as well. So there was a little bit more added to that, but still the same judgment. Right? Fire is going to come on, consume, take down your high places, lay you bare. See the pattern? Right? God is judging these nations for what they're doing. Right? Again, they're not believers. We're not talking about, we're talking about people that are not Jews. They're not his chosen, and he's judging them. We'll see later on that he's going to judge his people as well. Verse 11, we have another group, another nation here. It says, this is what the Lord says, for three sins of Edom, even for four. I will not turn back my wrath, because he pursued his brother with a sword. 
stifling all compassion, because his anger raged continually and his fury flamed unchecked. I will send fire upon Teman, and that will consume the fortress of Bora. All right? Again, three sins, even four. I've been patient, but now you cross the line. This one's a little bit different, right? Talks about he pursued his brother, right? Again, uh, family members, they would quite often battle because they would be, um, they would take over parts of the land. And again, that quest for power, it was a rival. Uh, when you were doing that, especially in that day, kings, you, would, you didn't care who you killed. And if it was a rival, you had to take them out. And we know from history that happened often, right? Even sometimes dads would kill off their sons. You know the story of David, that, that happened, right? Many times his sons would rise up and it would cause problems in the kingdom. Again, all in the, the hope of keeping peace. But here, God says, you know what? That's one thing, but now you've gone too far. You pursued him unmercifully. You chased after him. You had a chance to have compassion, but you didn't. Right? Again, take that to our own lives. Is there opportunities sometimes that we have to, to be compassionate with somebody? And do we, do we come down hard on them? Right? You that are parenting, you have that struggle. Maybe you're a boss at work, you can have that same struggle. Right? There's the letter of the law, but you know, there are times when we can still have compassion or understanding. Even simple things, um, as far as having compassion on, on people, knowing where they're at. They may be wrong, but we can still say, you know what, I can grace and compassion to that. I can understand where they're coming from. Also, we see there was another problem, this anger problem, right? Now, we know, if we can be honest, right, we get angry from time to time, right? If anyone says they've never been angry, Bryce is back there going like this, and Amy's going, yeah, no, sorry, you give me this stuff, I'll put it, you know, put it on the tee, I'll hit it almost every time, Um, but it's true, right? We get angry. And again, God knows we're going to, it's an emotion we have, and there are times where that happens. But what we do with it, right? Do we keep it under control? Do we have our anger, but we do not sin in it? Do we not cross that line? Well, obviously, here, they did. They went beyond the normal, right? It says it raged continually, right? You don't want to be angry all the time. Right? And nobody wants to be around someone that's angry all the time. Right? That's not, not how you want to live. It's not, it's not comfortable. Um, it's not pleasant. Anger is dangerous in many ways. I always say anger is kind of like a shotgun. You know, I can be angry at one person, but when I'm yelling, it spreads out. It hits many other people. Shoot, even our dog cowers in the corner if I'm angry and yelling. It, it's amazing. The dog's not even part of the conversation, but she thinks that I'm yelling at her. But it can affect kids. It can affect, obviously, people around you, people that are watching you. Anger is one of those things that goes, it raged. And obviously here it wasn't, right? And it even goes, it raged, right? It was beyond, totally unchecked, out of control. Thinking of like that spoiled kid that just really just is all undone. And so God says, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm going to send judgment on you. I want to consume the fortress. Again, these other nations, that fortress, that was their security. 
right? Because they don't have God as a security, and they, they might have false gods, but they're not fully trusting that. They're trusting in their walls, their physical, what they can see. And God says, you know what? I'm going to lay that bare. I'm going to take that away. All right, one more. There's more next week, but this week, that's probably enough for this week uh, as we're going through these, because you can get the pattern here. This is what the Lord says, for three sins of Ammon, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath, because he ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead in order to extend his borders. I will set fire to the walls of Rabbath that will consume her fortresses amid war crimes on the day of battle, amid violent winds and on a stormy day. Her king will go into exile he and his officials together, says the Lord. All right. Same thing. They've gone too far, but a different sin. A different problem here, right? It's a little bit graphic, but it says they ripped open the pregnant women, right? They performed abortions. You want to just put it in layman's term or in today that we, we can understand? That's what they did. They wanted to stop that nation from going forward. And so if you stop the kids... You're a generation away from dying out. And so they did that. It even gives the reason, which is not, you know, it's a, it's a crazy reason we look at, but again, today we have to look at ourselves because abortion is the same way. We, they, it's not for the right reasons. It says, in order to extend their borders, right? Just to gain more land, right? It wasn't enough that they conquered it, but they wanted to, to wake the people out so that they could just continue to have it and never have that threat again, right? Otherwise, you have, if you have a border, you have to keep defending it. But if you take care of the other side so there's nothing up against you, then it's not even a border. It just continues to grow until you meet the next resistance. I will say it again. God was not okay with it then. He's not okay with it now. It's still a sin. Again, we can talk about this, but... Abortion was wrong then, and it's wrong today. And so he does. He brings judgment upon this whole nation because of the things. And again, it says the war cries. It's going to cry out. It's not going to be pleasant. He, he judges him in some ways a little more harshly than some of the others. And then he says his kings will go into exile. In other words, they're going to have to live as slaves from that point on. Kings, quite often, if they didn't get killed in the battle, would have some respect, a king from another nation, but not so here. Right? They're going to get a taste almost of their own medicine. And so it's not a pleasant experience that he's talking about. So you say, Charlie, man, what a, what a downer of a message this morning, right? And what, a, what a bummer of a message. No, not so. Because, again, God judges us, have to fear that. God is consistent. And as believers, we, we have the benefit. We don't have to fear that. But I think we do have a responsibility as believers. We are one of these other nations. Again, no, we're not listed here in the Bible. I, I always cringe when I hear people try to put America into the Scriptures because we're, we're not there. We're just another one of the nations, right? We're not the chosen one. As much as we'd like to think we are, we're not. Right? And I'm not, you know, it's thankful that God placed me where he did. But some of these sins go on in our nation. And before we get to that three sins, four, 
I'd encourage us to be praying, praying for our nation. Right? Sometimes we need to be reminded that we are bigger than just Brainerd Baxter in this area here, but also even bigger than the United States. And praying for not only our nation, but praying for those nations around the world. Because God is going to take care of that. God is going to judge those sins. Because God's not okay with sin. Now, thankfully, he's given us the way out. Right? Christ died on the cross for our sins. He took that penalty. We don't have that fear of that penalty. So I say, we have an advantage over those who don't believe. We, we don't have to fear that. Yet we still suffer some of the consequences in our own nation and around us, what takes place. We're not void of that. So, that being said, as we remember this morning and as we do communion, it's good to remember to be thankful. Be thankful that we have a God who is the same, but also a God who has mercy on us, who's given us that compassion. So, we see the problem, we know the answer. Let's share it. Bow with me, please. This morning. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we do pray for our nation this morning. We take time out to remember you, and we take time to ask for forgiveness for those sins that take place right here at home. Lord, not only as individuals, but as a nation, Lord, we ask for forgiveness. Lord, help us to turn from our wicked ways. Help us to repent. Lord, we do ask for your blessings, and we ask that you continue to watch over us and continue to help us to grow in our relationship with you. And yes, Lord, I am thankful for where you have placed us, Lord, that you've called us to be the light. Lord, help us to continue to grow in that. Lord, I thank you for each person that's here this morning, and Lord, as we take time to remember you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask a couple of elders to come up as we take communion this morning, and uh, appreciate that. And point way, we, we do things a little bit different. If you're visiting with us here today, our communion table is open to all who believe. Um, it's not closed. It's not a membership only or anything like that. It's open to all who are here and believe in Jesus Christ. One of the things we like to do, though, is we like to follow the Scripture, and Scripture tells us, it says, Therefore, whoever eats of the bread or drinks from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread or drinks from the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so what we like to do here is right where you're at, right just between you and God, just bow your head, close your eyes, and just take a few moments just between you and God.
and ask Bryce if he'll give thanks for the cup and the bread that we're about to receive. You'll be receiving both the bread and the cup together, and uh, we tend to do it together as a church family, but if you want to do it individually, that's fine. The bread is underneath. Scripture instructs us, for what I received from the Lord, I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Goes on to say, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for what we remember. Lord, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, Lord, and that you were buried and that you rose again. We thank you that we can celebrate that with you, and Lord, that we can have our living hope, as we read earlier today that living hope with you, that we have the promise of eternal life. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you do and for dying for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, as a reminder, is we have leftover cups and we have leftover juice, and it should be a reminder for us that there are folks out there that don't know Jesus Christ yet. And so it should spur us on to share the gospel with them all the more, so that there'll be more people that can celebrate that as well. Thank you.